Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good afternoon. My name is Brian Robbins, and as Executive Chairman of the Board, I welcome you to this annual meeting of the shareholders of Mexico Technologies. I also welcome those listening to our broadcast through the Internet. I should also mention that we will be taking questions from our webcast as well as from the floor and telephone. If those listening on this webcast have any questions, please submit them at any time during the presentation using the question box on the webcast console. Those listening on the telephone will be muted until the end of the formal presentations, and then questions will be taken. We reserve the right to limit questions either in the Internet or of time or content. I also want to draw your attention to the cautionary statement on the slide. During the course of our presentation and subsequent questions and answer session, forward-looking statements will most likely be made. I won't read the entire cautionary statement, but for those listening by phone or Internet, it is substantially identical to that appearing at pages 4 and 5 in our 2019 annual report. I'll now proceed with the agenda for today's meeting. In accordance with the company's bylaws, I will serve as chairman of the meeting, and Matt Posno, chief financial officer of the corporation, will act as secretary of the meeting with your approval. I will ask TSX Trust Company representative by Ms. Rosa Garofello to act as scrutineer. <coughs> Pursuant to the notice and access regulations, notice of the meeting was mailed to the shareholders on December 27, 2019, and we have received an affidavit of the corporation's transferation agent as to its mailing. Unless someone wishes to have it read, I will ask for a motion to dispense from the reading of the notice. Thank you, Lorena. You've heard the motion. All in favor, contrary, if any. Carried. I direct that a copy of the notice, together with the affidavit of mailing, be kept with the records of this meeting. I've received a preliminary report of attendance from the scrutineer, which indicates that a quorum is present. Since we have a quorum, I declare that the meeting has been duly called and is properly constituted to transact any business appearing on the agenda. The Secretary has tabled the minutes of the annual and special meeting of shareholders held on January, January 30, 2019. Unless someone wishes to have them read, I will ask for a motion to approve the minutes and to dispense with their reading. I move that the, that the minutes of the annual and special meeting of shareholders held on January 30, 2019 be approved and that the reading of the minutes be dispensed with. Thank you. You've heard the motion. All in favor? Contrary? Carried. The next item of business is the presentation of the consolidated financial statements of the corporation and its subsidiaries as at and for the year ended September 30, 2019. 
and the auditor's report thereon. Mr. Blake Langhill, a partner with the firm of Ernst & Young, the corporation's auditors, is here today and has advised me that he knows of no points which should be raised with the shareholders at the meeting. The annual report containing the financial statements and the auditor's report was made available to shareholders under the notice and access regulations at our CDAR website and our transfer agent website. Copies are also available here today. I would ask that you hold any questions until the end of the meeting, at which time we will be pleased to respond. The Secretary has tabled the financial statements and the auditor's report thereon, and I direct that a copy be kept within the records of the meeting. I propose to proceed with the votes on each of the election of the directors and the appointment of the auditors by way of a show of hands, as the proxies received from overwhelming support for management's recommendations. It is now in order to proceed with the election of directors at today's meeting. Seven directors are to be elected. All seven of the seven nominees are being renominated, and information regarding each of them is set out in the information circular, which again was made available at our CDAR website and our transfer agent's website. Copies are also available here today. No further nominations were received by the corporation within the time limit set out in the corporation's advanced notice bylaw, which was adopted by you shareholders at last year's annual meeting. I declare the nominations to be closed. We have seven persons nominated for the seven positions of director. May I have a motion to elect the seven nominees? favor, please raise your hands. Contrary, if any, carried. I now declare that Edward Kernahan, Darren Kirk, Robert McGee, Colleen McMorrow, Paul Riganelli, Brian Robbins, and Anne-Marie Turnbull have been duly elected directors of the corporation to hold office until the next annual meeting of shareholders or until their successors are duly elected or appointed. We'll now proceed with the appointment of the auditors and the authorization of the directors to fix their remuneration. Contrary, if any, carried. 
I now call upon Mr. Darren Kirk, our President and CEO, to comment on the Corporation's performance. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'll use my first few slides to touch on market fundamentals in the strategy of our businesses. Then I'll dig into the operational aspects of our first quarter of fiscal 2020 before I think, hand things over to Matthew to discuss our Q1 financial highlights. So I guess I'll start on a somber note, but I really think our outlook is very bright. Looking at the macro environment, it's clear our general market conditions have softened over the past year. In fact, I would say the automo automotive industry in both North America and Europe are effectively in a recession. Vehicle production volumes in these regions were modestly lower again in 2019 and are widely expected to be flat to slightly down this year. While we obviously can't do much about this backdrop, we continue to focus our efforts on market niches where there are undercurrents of growth. These include, one, the trend of OEMs to make their vehicles more appealing and profitable through accessorizing and um, up-trimming uh, the vehicle interiors. Two, increasing consumer demand for larger vehicles that have more cargo and cabin space. And three, growing acceptance of the European automakers that Morocco is a low-cost and dependable supply base. By pursuing these themes, our parts businesses have achieved growth well above industry volume levels, and we fully expect this will continue. Of course, in this segment of our business, we are also agnostic to drivetrain architecture, meaning that we have equal opportunity whether the vehicle is powered by gas, battery, or whatever the propulsion mechanism is. Meanwhile, as it relates to our tooling businesses, there are also segments of growth that we are very well positioned to capitalize on regardless of economic conditions. This is particularly true within the automotive industry where an acute focus on vehicle lightweighting is driving the higher use of aluminum in all vehicles, especially those with electric powertrains. We have been upgrading our manufacturing process, processes and capabilities to fully take advantage of these trends for many years now while staying strongly focused on innovation to drive sales and lower costs. Our large mold division clearly demonstrates all of these traits, particularly with the way that they have embraced additive manufacturing. We are now regular, regularly incorporating 3D printed components into the design of our molds, which greatly enhances the overall quality and performance of the die cast process. The use of additive manufacturing in this regard is still quite nascent, but growing strongly. And we have a clear lead evidenced by our recent receipt of the Automotive News prestigious PACE Award. We are also making significant capital investments that will provide future growth opportunities in new markets. In fiscal 2019, we added to our stable of greenfield operations with the construction of our sixth extrusion tooling plant. This facility, located in Mexico to service the domestic market, began commercial production halfway through the year, and we have been very pleased with our early results. The success of our newest facility clearly speaks to the benefit of our standardized manufacturing processes, which provide increased flexibility and unmatched efficiency across our multi-plant footprint. Elsewhere in our tooling business, Cast Tool further expanded its main plant in Uxbridge to provide additional capacity and keep up with strong expected demand growth. 
And this month, Castool has acquired land for a new facility in Morocco to better, better penetrate the European market. We expect Castool's new plant will be operational in mid-fiscal 2021. On to slide nine, I'll move over to the social aspect of our operations. It is clear our labor rates have increased over the last couple of years. This was particularly evident in Mexico last year when an unprecedented federal policy change doubled the minimum wage, contributing to a significant wage increases and large bonus payments to production staff. This suppressed our profits through much of fiscal 2019. However, I am pleased to report that we have concluded this year's negotiations without disruption and with compensation arrangements much closer to historical norms. Consequently, our results will benefit from a reduction in bonus payments this year relative to last year. Now, it is true that wages have gone up over the last few years in Mexico and elsewhere, which has adversely impacted profits for current programs. And these higher costs will continue to hamper our financial performance through the remaining life of these programs. However, I would point out that our automotive parts programs have about two years remaining at any given point in time, and we are certainly incorporating higher costs into new program quotations. This is not to say that we aren't also focused on achieving continuous productivity gains and pursuing new opportunities to protect our margins. These elements are core requirements because higher prices can never solely be the answer. In this regard, we are very fortunate to have such a diverse and dedicated group of employees around the globe. I want to thank all of our employees for their hard work and commitment to working safely which is paramount for our continued success. Turning to our capital allocation strategy on slide 10, I would emphasize that we are generating significant free cash flow while making these substantial investments. In fiscal 2019, we generated free cash flow of 89 cents per share and returned a record 26.9 million or 65 cents per share to shareholders, even as we improved our balance sheet ending the year in a net cash position. For 2020, our capital spending will remain healthy in support of organic, organic growth agenda, but we still expect to produce free cash flow well in excess of our dividend payment. Acquisitions continue to remain of interest. However, as I've indicated, we see lots of opportunity to grow organically, which is our current focus. Absent any acquisition activity, we expect to use our cash flow after dividends to further strengthen our balance sheet and continue to reduce our share count. I will now turn to the first quarter of 2020. On slide 12, I'll start with our automotive solutions segment. Overall, industry light vehicle production in North America was lower by about 9%, while production in Europe was down by a little less than that. Nonetheless, segment sales, excluding foreign exchange rate movements and contributions from ALC last year, were essentially flat. Segment sales in the quarter were supported by a number of program launches particularly at Polydesign and AFX. Profitability within the segment, however, was adversely impacted by unfavorable product mix and foreign exchange rate swings, while lost contributions and uneven production associated with the GM strike added to the challenges this quarter. Ongoing inefficiencies continued in the quarter from recent program launches and a delay in some new programs being launched. Nonetheless, we continue to make progress on this front, although at a pace below our expectations. Looking at business conditions, new quoting activity has certainly slowed in the last few quarter, particularly in Europe. This is tied to softer vehicle production volumes and incremental capacity of certain automotive suppliers. 
in North America, quoting activity remains fairly decent, and we did, we did have some key program wins during the quarter. We continue to see prospects for top-line growth in both Europe and North America in fiscal 2020, supported by previous program wins and a reduction in the number of programs reaching completion relative to fiscal 19. Perhaps more importantly, we expect a reduction in our cost, particularly as bonus payments to production staff in Mexico will be materially lower this year. Moving on to the casting and extrusion segment on slide 13, and starting with our large mold group, sales there were stable year over year. Quoting activity, however, remains very robust, with several opportunities being pursued with both new and existing customers. Foreign exchange adjusted profitability within the group was also relatively stable year over year. Progress with our various efficiency initiatives is ongoing as we continue to take all kinds of hours out of jobs and further reduce lead times. This progress, however, was offset in the quarter by reduced overhead absorption at one of the group's locations due to lower volumes associated with customer timing requirements. With regards to our additive operations, demand remains strong and we see tremendous amount of opportunity. In fact, demand has been so great that we ordered our third 3D printer near the end of uh, the quarter. At Castool, the group's innovative portfolio of products remains very well positioned and it is clearly an industry leader that is gaining share in both die cast and extrusion tooling. Nonetheless, group revenues and profits were modestly lower during the quarter as market conditions softened for both consumable and capital equipment goods, particularly in the North American extrusion industry. Castool's operations in Thailand, however, did see a nice rebound as they have begun to lap weaker quarters. Looking forward, Castool's plant expansion in Uxbridge is now complete and all equipment has been repositioned with minimal disruption. As well, Castool's third plant in Morocco continues to move ahead. Castool 90, as we call it, is now a legal entity and the land for our new site has been acquired. We are now moving forward with building planning and construction and expect to be operational and up and running by around mid-fiscal 2021. As discussed in recent quarters, Castle 90 will enable the group to pen better penetrate European customers where Castle is currently at a disadvantage given that it lacks proximity to that market. In our extrusion tooling operations, we saw North American market conditions continuing to remain weak in the quarter, driven by a slowdown in the building and construction end markets. The group's overall sales were up modestly helped by initial top-line contributions from our new tooling facility in Mexico, which began commercial production on April 1st. Group profitability, however, was negatively impacted by reduced overhead absorption at our mature facilities, as well as startup losses in Mexico. While it is difficult to say how long uh, the market slowdown will persist, we remain focused on further improving our efficiency and expect startup losses in Mexico will quickly decline as we ramp that plant up. In summary, overall market conditions remain a challenge, but we are winning more than our share of new business and we continue to expect some relief on the cost in the quarters ahead. Meanwhile, we are making significant investments to both better position and grow our businesses for future success, even while returning meaningful cash to shareholders and maintaining our exceptional financial strength. With that, it concludes my operations overview. I will now pass the discussion to Matthew to discuss the financial highlights of the quarter.
Thank you, Darren. Good afternoon. My comments will cover slide 17 to 22 of the presentation. Consolidated sales for the first quarter ended December 31, 2019 were $120.4 compared to $142 million in the same quarter last year, a decrease of $21.7 million or 15%. After adjusting for ALC sales of $19.8 million in Q1 last year because that business has been closed and the Canadian dollar strengthening in the current quarter reduced our first quarter sales this year by $2 million, sales were essentially flat in the quarter. Consolidated EBITDA for Q1 of $15.4 million was down $3.2 million or 17% compared to last year. Over half, $1.8 million of this decline was due to a stronger Canadian dollar. The casting extrusion segment EBITDA was up $100,000 after adjusting for FX, and the automotive solution segment EBITDA was down $1.6 million. Consolidated net income for the first quarter was $8.1 million, or earnings of $0.20 cents per share, compared to $3.8 million, or $0.09 cents per share in the same quarter last year an increase of net income of 111%. Excluding a net expense of $6.1 million, or $0.15 cents a share, related to ALC in the prior year period, adjusted net income was lower by 19% year-over-year. The company generated $3 million in free cash flow in the quarter. This is compared to a negative $4 million last year. After investing $6.5 million in fixed assets and $3.8 million in working capital, we used $2.7 million to purchase shares with a normal course issuer bid, and $3.6 million to pay out dividends. The balance sheet net cash balance at December 31st is $5.5 million. Walking revenue from fiscal 19 to fiscal 20, ALC and foreign exchange rate changes reduced sales $21.8 million. After adjusting for these items, the sales from the segments remained flat, notwithstanding global weaknesses and reduced output in automotive and extrusion markets. Consolidated pre-tax profit before interest for Q1 was $10 million, compared to $7.7 million a year ago. After adjusting for ALC's, last year's ALC write-down and the foreign exchange impact this quarter, pre-tax profit was $2 million lower than the prior year. The automotive segment pre-tax profit was down $1.6 million, and the casting and extrusion segment was $300,000 lower. Turning to the automotive segment, revenue was stable after adjusting for ALC and foreign exchange. Segment EBITDA margins improved from 12.8% to 14.5%, but overall EBITDA declined $1.6 million due to the higher costs associated with labor, foreign exchange, and launch costs compared to the prior year. The casting extrusion segment revenue was down 1% compared to Q1 2019. EBITDA margin was down 140 basis points, and EBITDA dropped 800000 after adjusting for Canadian dollar strengthening, sales in EBITDA were consistent with the prior year quarters, prior year's quarter. Large mold sales were relatively stable, and healthy quoting activity continues with both current and potential customers. Extrusion group sales were modestly higher during the quarter as sales for the New Mexico facility were partially offset by lower sales in, the North, Ameri in North America due to softer overall market conditions. At Castool, the group's revenue was moderately lower as market conditions softened for both consumable and capital equipment goods in the quarter, particularly with the extrusion industry. On slide 22, Exco's leverage and liquidity remains very strong. Our net cash position of $5.5 million and our revolving credit facility has $38 million available as at December 31st. Exco consistently generates cash from operations, and this will be used to invest in new capital. An example would be the Castool Morocco facility, new additive technology that Darren just mentioned, and other strategic capital assets, dividends, and then the share buyback. 
This provides us with considerable flexibility to support future growth as opportunities arise. That concludes my comments. I would like to invite Brian Robbins back to the podium. This is the quickest annual meeting I've ever been to. Oh <laughs> uh, well. Um, thanks, Matt. Uh, today is my pleasure to announce that we will again be raising the dividend by a half cent per half cent per quarter, or two cents on an annual basis, bringing the dividend to nine and a half cents per quarter, or 38 cents per year. This is the 14th time we've raised the dividend since initiating it in 2006, at which time it was five cents per year. The only year we didn't increase the dividend was 2009, and we all remember that eventful year. I think our shareholders are happy with this performance as the company remains debt-free even after employing capital to repurchase shares. As already said, we've repurchased about 2.5 million shares over the past two years, reducing the float, excuse me, reducing the share count by about 6% and at a cost of about $22 million. And we still have $5.5 million in the bank. I'll now turn the meeting back to Darren. Thank you, Brian. So before we move on to uh, a question and answer segment, uh, it is with great pleasure that I can announce uh, this year's uh, President Award winner. And this year's winner is uh, Wes uh, Bileveld. For those of you who don't know Wes, he's been the champion behind our additive manufacturing business, which was started from scratch just a few years ago and is now an unquestioned leader with several million dollars in annual sales. Wes has worked at Exco in die-cast tooling and engineering for more than 15 years, including the last five years in which he has led our additive manufacturing business. He has spent time at machine builders, universities, and die casters around the globe. Wes is a rare talent who has been instrumental in both the technical and commercial aspects of the business. He has designed and delivered some of the world's largest and most complex additively produced tooling for the high pressure die cast industry. So Wes has truly accomplished a great deal of success, but we know he, was, he is only just getting started. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, we just purchased our third 3D printer to keep up with the demand that Wes has created. And I'm pretty sure Wes will be looking for more of these machines in the very near future. I, sh I should also point out that Wes is no stranger to winning. I was with Wes last year when he re received the prestigious North American uh, News Pace Award. And for anyone not familiar with that achievement, I assure you it is a huge deal. So, Come on up, Wes. Congratulations. I know you're going to have many more wins in the future. Keep up the great work. With that, uh, we can transition the meeting to uh, a question uh, and answer session. So I'll, uh, I'll take uh, questions from the floor uh, if there's any first. In terms of uh, automotive part uh, manufacturers, can you maybe talk about, could we say a dynamic where like in Mexico as 
you're one of the pioneers in moving to Morocco. It's been a great facility, but if more manufacturers go there, is there a pressure on labor and we have a, a similar margin issue, or is, is that actually a, a good news for you in terms of them sourcing more and more from you? Uh, thanks for the question, uh, Gabrielle. Uh, you know, uh, Me uh, Morocco is uh, is different than Mexico. Mexico's um, labor market is is much tighter. Uh, the demographic that we seek to hire in Morocco, Morocco, there's uh, much greater levels of, of unemployment, and we have not seen uh, the wage pressures in uh, Morocco uh, to date. Now, uh, obviously, as industry activity has picked up in Morocco, as the German OEMs have recognize that higher costs have occurred in, in Eastern Europe and, and look for a, a lower cost dependable supplier, um, more businesses have moved in and um, so there is more competition, uh, but there's also more OEM plants moving to Morocco. So I think that just general levels of activity have picked up in Morocco, but no, we have not seen uh, the wage pressures there that we have seen in, in Mexico. Thanks. Any other questions from the uh, from the floor, uh, David? Uh, yep, you you added uh, I think two five-axis machinery last year. I was just wondering how the throughput is on that, and is the learning curve similar to the three previous machines? Uh, so we have ordered uh, the machines last year in in part because the lead time to get these machines is so long. In fact, we have not yet received them yet. Uh, and we won't receive them until probably July or uh, August timeframe. Uh, but no, uh, the learning curve uh, will not be uh, steep at all uh, relative to what we experienced uh, in the past. Uh, you know, uh, the, those inefficiencies have, for the most part, been, been ironed out, and we don't expect to incur them with the new machines. And kind of just shifting gears to automotive solutions, uh, we're always trying to throw a dart on the board in terms of the margins. Seems like it was pretty strong this quarter at 14.5%. When I factor in the one-time costs, uh, it's probably a bit higher than that. Is that a good trend going forward, or should we expect it to continue to grind higher? I think you should expect it to continue to grind higher. Uh, the, the, the bonus payments really did start to hit in Q2 of, uh, of, of last year. So from a year-over-year -year standpoint, we should see improvement. But we should also see um, continued improvement on a sequential basis. Thank you. Any other questions? Ben? Hi, I uh, wanted to ask a question about AFX. I think in the last uh, couple of quarters there were, and I think in addition to the cost problem, that there were some uh, some year-over-year -year declines there, uh, but it seems like this quarter has been better. Uh, can you just sort of elaborate on the dyna uh, dynamics in this business? Uh, sure. Well, we we did have um, sales contraction at AFS uh, AFX through uh, much of uh, fiscal 19. Um, as you know, we had a number of programs that were ending and uh, there was some period of time before the new programs that replaced them uh, had started to ramp up. Uh, last quarter, uh, we did see an improvement in the, the, the sales line at AFX, and uh, that's been driven by the new programs that are now ramping up, and we continue to see that occur uh, again this quarter. Okay, thank you.
Just a quick question on that. In terms of the mix at AFX between SUVs and sedans, what, you know, in the past it was very skewed to sedans. Can you give us a ballpark, high-level number where that may be now? I, I would guess sedans might be around 40% now at, uh, at AFX uh, versus 25% for the market. You know, that gap is closed in part because the market has forced the adjustment, but also as AFX has been continuing to, uh, to diversify. Hi, I'm uh, David Peters. I'm a shareholder. Um, I was wondering, um, has did the did trade wars or uh, the uncertainty related to uh, uh, NAFTA have any impact on your uh, results in the past year or two? And what might we expect going forward? I would say that there's no clear impact. Um, on the automotive solution side of the business from, uh, from the trade wars. Uh, you know, now that uh, the U.S. MCA has been uh, signed at least by Mexico and, and the U.S. and presumably in short order by Canada, uh, that uh, you know, any potential challenges are, are put to bed. But uh, on the tooling side of the business, there was perhaps some uh, demand destruction because uh, of all the tariffs on, uh, on steel and, and, and aluminum. And, and, and some of that still goes on. The demand uh, within uh, the aluminum market in North America is weak. It still may be uh, a function of, of, of those tariffs, but it's, it's hard to, um, you know, quantify any direct linkage. Any other questions from the floor? Any questions from the, uh, the phone or? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star then one on your touchtone telephone. I think that meant press a button on the phone if you have a question. <laughs> we have a question from Michael Dumet. Your line is open. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Uh, thanks for taking the questions. Number nine. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Darren, I think you, you talked about this a little bit, but I just want to get a little bit more granular. So I'm trying to put together your comments as it relates to the increased wages in Mexico and the higher prices on the renewed contracts as a pass-through. Um, you know, given we're in the second year of this, um, if we exclude the one-time bonus payments, like, are, are margins trending up or down? Well, mar margins, I mean, I, I guess they've been uh, pressured over the last uh, couple of years, really. But uh, I would think at, at this point we've hit the, the trough, and with the bonus payments, uh, reducing uh, year over year in fiscal 20 versus 19, uh, we will start to see some improvement uh, on the cost side, but mm -hmm. then also, you know, new programs that we have been uh, placing uh, some of this higher pricing in uh, are now going to be starting up in, in short order, and, and that will improve things as well. So uh, things will start to grind higher from here is, uh, is our expectation. Okay, and just given the contracts last three, three to five years, presumably that's the timeline we should think to, to get to sort of the previous margins that you guys had? Yeah, I think, you know, it is going to take, you know, kind of that period of time to, to fully get back to, to where we were, but uh, you'll start to see things pick up in the next uh, quarter or two. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Uh, and just maybe one other question. Um, you talked about ample opportunity in, in poly design and AFX. Um, but if I heard it correctly, a little bit less in Europe as it relates to automotive solutions. So ma macros soften in both. So I'm just wondering what's driving the larger opportunity set in North America. Uh, I think it's poly, poly design uh, is in a pr 
pretty unique position uh, given that they are uh, very well established in Morocco and uh, they are the go-to company for, for wrapping uh, all kinds of components. Uh, they have expanded their uh, capabilities to other products in the past several years and they continue to do that. Uh, so to the extent that there's been a shift in um, demand from Eastern Europe to Morocco, uh, PolyDesign has taken a disproportionate amount and therefore grown faster than the market. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Again, again, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star, then one. One moment, please. I, don't, I think that was just instructions. I'm sure that, no further questions. that was a question, we are uh, unable to uh, understand it. Could, could I'm sure no questions. If you could repeat the question, please. I'm showing no questions. Okay. Uh, any questions from the web? Okay. With, with that, I'm going to pass um, the mic back to Brian. Well, 35 minutes, that's not bad, eh? <laughs> this stuff's pretty dry. Uh, as there is no further business to be brought before the meeting, I ask for a motion to terminate. I second the motion. You've heard the motion. All those in favor, contrary, in favor, contrary, carried. I now declare the meeting terminated. Thank you for coming out today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.